welcome to, to this, this should, should be a podcast. podcast. Wow, that was well done. All right. That's our new Dateline We intro. barely rehearsed that. <laughs> <laughs> From our new sexy location. <laughs> yeah, tell, tell the listeners a little bit about our change in he, locale. That's so cheesy when you say, tell the listeners. For, <laughs> I don't know why. That's so... All right, tell the listener. <laughs> tell, tell your mother. <laughs> I don't know. I just suddenly, well, my first of all, my back, my shoulder has been killing me from the couch. And so I just suddenly thought, well, our bedroom is smaller and I've been editing from the bedroom. So I thought maybe we could do it from the bedroom. And then you suddenly were like, hey, are we going to do this upstairs? And I thought, hey, we're, I was actually just thinking that. Yeah. And also, didn't, didn't you sort of decamp from the living room where you used to work all the time when you were working at home? It was sort of like your branch office, yes. the living room. Yeah. And then you, you started working up here. Yeah. I thought that was just because you really couldn't stand to be around me. And wanted to get further away. <laughs> no, that was because I was spending all day in like one place in our living room. And then at like 530, I would get up and move three feet to the other spot in our living room for the rest of the evening. And it oh. was just, it was a little much. Yeah. I needed a change of scenery. Good. Well, now you, and also your back is probably way better now with your, your yeah. chair. A little. Anyway, my medical problems are interesting to everybody i'm sure <laughs> so anyway, yeah speaking of which though we just got our first vaccination yay, yay. <laughs> yeah what a great feeling yes so we God. just we just kind of not since our... i got a sucker from my doctor after getting my whooping cough vaccine <laughs> have i been so so excited Your whooping cough <laughs> what <laughs> Oh my God! Well, we just had our and we just had our anniversary of everything. So it was the anniversary of the pandemic. It was our anniversary um, a week ago, mm -hmm. and um, and like literally, like everything has just started changing. Spring hit, and literally the weather started changing, and everyone we know started getting their vaccinations, and suddenly we got our vaccination scheduled and just like literally everything like everything just started changing and the weight started lifting and it just it's just been amazing it's been an amazing like week and a half it has just felt great yeah it has it, and, it really feels like renewal you know of spring and we booked an just... airbnb in june which i'm so excited and like siesta key to go visit my mom and then spend a couple days and it's just amazing. Yeah. Like, so we like we made it. We made it through this year, and it's just uh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Did you experience any feeling from your vaccine? Any any uh, side effect? Any soreness? Not really. Other than the I fact think you that were... I, the only thing the only thing I think that's been different is that I I want to go to bed go at like ten o'clock at night. <laughs> I'm usually like up till at least midnight, and then ready to go to bed and you know and oddly you, you want to eat dinner at the sirloin sirloin stockade at like 4 30 <laughs> every day so true. No, i think you're turning into no, your grandmother like, no everything's normal <laughs> and then at 10 o'clock i'm like falling asleep and i can't go to so but other than that i'm fine good yeah good yeah so yeah i feel good how about you i i almost was paranoid they didn't give give it to me i had no feeling from it i no soreness no feverishness but I've, i understand the first vaccine um, if you're wondering out there, you haven't gotten any vaccine yet. The first one is really easy. It doesn't really have much of a physical side effect. But the second one, you're feverish and achy for a day or two. Well, I think it also depends what kind you get. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
But anyway, it's a, it's an amazing, you know, journey. And we've lost so many people. I still think about that almost every day. It's like I can't stop thinking about how this has, you know, burned through our population like a brush fire. And because we're in the middle of it, we don't realize the, you know, the the enormity of it, you know, until we'll, I have a feeling we'll look back on it a decade from now and we'll go, we lost more people that year than we did in like all modern wars, you know? Yeah. It just, it's so disturbing, but you move forward, you move on. Yeah. You know? Biden's kicking some ass though. Yeah. God bless him. Yeah. You know, like the right wing was like, you know, really sort of planting this in people's minds that he was demented and, and you know, inept because he was just too old to be president. But this past Thursday, he had like a his first real press conference for an hour and he was flawless and s- strong and badass through the whole thing. And he probably said, come on, come on, really, we can do this. Come on. Probably like 43 times. Yeah. <laughs> that Dana Carvey impression on Colbert the other night was so funny. That was awesome. <laughs> so. so we're going to talk about uh, something that has a lot to do with this, I think. You know, because this pandemic, in a strange way, has been caused by our actions in terms of global warming and uh, trying to build these scary viruses in a lab to try to head them off. And, you know, the viruses that they're they're creating in the lab sometimes escape or, you know, mutate. And, and all this stuff is the chickens coming home to roost on some levels. We've decimated the rainforest. And, and a lot of these viruses in nature are going to come around knocking on our door but this i think this was actually from a lab COVID 19 was was actually an artificial virus that they create to try to prevent this so it's odd it's it's odd but we we wanted to talk about karma today and i've been thinking about it all week like how karma is when things happen to you that are a result of your actions i mean that's maybe that's not the religious definition of it but the religious definition is probably you know it's it's hinduism it's from hinduism or or buddhism and it's it has to do with successive lives your past lives and your future lives if karma is real then the golden state killer is going to come back as like the bottom of a latrine that that's kind of the you know the standard you know and 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 when you know people say karma's a bitch it's it's usually a, a comment about someone who did something terrible and it came back and got them you know jeffrey epstein karma's a bitch you could go on and on that's what i was going to ask you actually as a as a sort of tee off to our karmic episode you're you're a you're a big crime fan do you believe that these criminals I mean, do, I'm a fan of, you know. I mean, you're not, you don't love crime, <laughs> but you do in a way. I don't know. You know, how would you put it? Uh, the, the gals on, on uh, My Favorite Murder constantly have to go, we don't love murder. We, we, we're, we're not celebrating it. We're, we're kind of fascinated <laughs> by, by it. We're, 
the process of f- figuring out who did them, why they happened, right? What happened? What what happened behind the scenes? How they figure it out? The science behind figuring it out? Like all that kind of stuff is fascinating. The survivors and how they survived, like all those kinds of things. I are the fascinating parts behind it. Mm-hmm. There's so much to it, and the, which yeah. is why it's such a huge thing. But um, Also the mystery aspect of it. Right. All, always unraveling a mystery is fascinating right. to people. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I get that. But, I mean, I guess what I'm wondering is, do you think karma, do you believe in karma? And, and if so, then do you believe that these evil people, the Mansons, the, the Golden State Killers, the, the Ted Bundys, did they suffer because of what they've done? Is there comeuppance? Is there justice? Is there cosmic justice? I, I believe in some way there must be, but I mean, I, I don't think that, that definitively there's like, you know, an eye for an eye situation. I mean, I think some people get off incredibly easy. Yeah. You know, I mean, Ted Bundy gets you know the electric chair but you know he gets off pretty easy right in some ways yeah i'm a big believer in not the death penalty but that someone should be have to sit in a cell for the rest of their life yeah think about what they did certainly life without possibility of parole is way worse than being executed right i mean i think i mean I mean, I say that I don't. I've never faced the, you know, the choice. But they, you know, God forbid. But you know, I've always thought that that we shouldn't execute people. It's letting them off too easy. I mean, I think maybe there should be like the death penalty, but that they really aren't ever going to get executed. But they don't know that. But they think that they are, so they're <laughs> always so they're always scared that they're going to get killed. And that's that would be good karma. But um, you know, but for real, they, you know, just that feeling of the fear of death and the fear yeah. of being killed and being put in that position as a victim, them having to feel that feeling, you know, it's hard to know if they're ever going to have that feeling, but I don't know. It's tough to say. I mean, I, I believe in some way it's going to all come back in some way or another, but I don't know. That's a big question. <laughs> I don't well, have the answers. Well, I mean, you know, the, The way I feel about it is my head tells me there's no such thing as karma, just as there's no such thing as heaven and hell. My head tells me that, my my brain, my intellect. But deep down inside me, and it could be like, you know, being raised Catholic and, and then, you know, lapsing and being superstitious, maybe coming from a family of OCD sufferers, whatever it is, deep down in my heart or, or you know my primal 3 a.m thoughts i do think there is cosmic some kind of cosmic justice you know but i i also my brain also tells me you know it's like that scene in 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 clint eastwood's western unforgiven you know where the kid who who finally killed his first person it was a bad man it was a robber it was a rapist and he killed him and the kid says i can't believe it I can't believe I shot him. I just, he was sitting on the uh, on the crapper, and I shot him, and I killed him. And and Clint Eastwood's like gazing off into the distance, just pensive. And he goes, "Yeah, you sure killed the hell out of that guy, kid. You took away everything he's ever had and everything he's ever gonna have." And then there's a long pause, and the kid says, "Well, 
I guess he had it coming. And Clint Eastwood says, we all got it coming, kid. <laughs> right. We all got it coming. And and the kid at one point says, he deserved it, man. He deserved it. He deserved it. And, and, and Clint Eastwood says, kid, deserving's got nothing to do with it. <laughs> you know, because like, I right. think like for every Jeffrey Epstein on his own private island, his own sex island, you know, molesting girls who gets caught and, you know, dies ignominiously by hanging himself in a rotting jail cell. For every one of those guys, there's another rich guy who enjoys life to its fullest, molesting women, and then, you know, dies, you know, in his sleep at 87 years old and has tributes paid to him. What a wonderful person he was. You know, that's... That's the thing about karma that you got you got to wrap your head around because then the cosmos has to take over. Right. Does he go to hell? Does he come back as a lampshade? I mean, it just <laughs> it kind of doesn't make sense intellectually, but it makes sense to your your gut, your heart that there's that's I think I think the concept of people coming back in different lives or they come back as actual people, <laughs> they come back as inanimate objects. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I need to brush up on my understanding of reincarnation. When you were like, the Golden State Killer comes back at the bottom of the latrine. I was like, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's how it works. Well, you know, I, I the only the thing the reason that that occurred to me was one time I made Robert Kirkman laugh. It was the only time I ever made Robert Kirkman laugh. Not that he's a morose, somber, you know, sullen dude. He's right. he's not dour or anything. Right. But but. I made him laugh really hard because I wrote a scene where a zombie gets stuck at the bottom of a latrine and just people come by and shit on him all day. Just shit on him. And Robert thought that that was the funniest thing he's ever heard. And he really, you know, I I captured his imagination with that. Um, But again, again, like, are zombies experiencing karma? I I don't think so because it's just every... in, In the zombie apocalypse... Just every human has the virus. Every human has it. And when they die, they, they don't, you know, stop moving. They, they, they become the undead and they, right. you know, it, it's not because they were evil and good alike become zombies. You know, that's, right. that's, that's actually the new, like, you know, I write horror a lot. And in horror... Karma is a central concept. It's a lot of horror is about comeuppance. In fact, I grew up reading these gory horror comics and and the whole idea, but, you know, Tales from the Crypt and, you know, Vault of Horror. And usually the whole concept was, here's another story about this person who did some bad things and then they get their comeuppance and it's really, really bad. You know, that's that was sort of the, you know, the whole and and I think, you know, that's a lot of my stories, a lot of my books. That's it is sort of like payback. Yeah. Karma is is a, is a very timely subject now because there's just people dying of this horrible virus in the middle of their lives that don't deserve it, you right. know. Absolutely. So that's it's you know, you really have to be a true believer to think that there is such a thing as karma, I think is my conclusion. I mean, the thing, the way that I think about it is I think about it for myself. I think about it like 
what how I live my life and how I do things and you know if I you know if I just inadvertently do something shitty you know like you know just something like accidentally litter you know if I leave it I'll I'll feel horrible and I'll go back and I'll get it you know or like if I you know that's why I if I see you know someone homeless I, I say hi to him I'll give him money I like I don't want to ignore people I just I'm, I'm aware of how I treat people because that's how I would want to be treated and that's I mean it's sort of a reverse karma thing but I don't know if that actually applies but no no it does it totally how, does but that's how I I see things is like I you know I, I'm I'm just aware it makes me aware of how I treat people and how I treat things and how I am in the world and right so i don't know if that's actually karma but that's how i live my life remember so. the uh the specialist on polling and how people vote oh yeah uh, on the, who was on bill maher mm -hmm. last week yeah and he was saying that you know they they really look at two different kinds of people the kind that trust others and the kind that mistrust right. others right. and the kind that trust others are the kind that answer the phone you you impress me as being a kind that the kind that trusts others, but it, maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't answer the phone. My phone actually has a voice message that says I'm not answering the phone because all my phone calls are marketing calls. So leave a message and I'll call you right back if you're not a marketer. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally well, well, what, what if I, what if somebody called you called you or, you know somebody called you up and said, um, "Hi, my name is Doris Flagenhagel and I'm calling for from you know the." you know, whatever, the Census Bureau or the, or the, I'm calling from the, you know, National Polling Center. And we'd like to ask you just a few quick questions about your, your voting uh, patterns, your beliefs, your, you know, would you, would you, I would hang up immediately. Well, I mean, in my situation, I wouldn't answer the phone. So if someone right, called but me let's and say left, that, that if, they, you, if they left me that message, they left you that message. I'd, yeah, probably, would, I'd probably call them back. That's what I'm saying. You are you yeah. you trust people more than than I. I think that's uh, they the, and I and well, I. Well, that's that's. It's not a matter of trusting people. It's a matter of like if someone is polling and they want to know you know information. I want them to know my information. I want them to know how I feel about stuff. I want my voice <laughs> to be heard, and I want to be represented in this community. So right. That's why. See, that's beautiful. I don't have that. I'm I'm gonna end up a lampshade. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna end up like this rock star or something, or you're gonna be you know your next life you're, you'll be like the queen, and I'm gonna be like some crazy hyperactive kids teddy bear that gets thrown. <laughs> oh yeah, we can't be in inanimate objects. I keep forgetting. Yeah, <laughs> you haven't taken that class yet. Right. All right, why don't you uh, read us your story? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, it wasn't hard to pull out a story that I have uh, written that is sort of karmic. It's about karmic payback. As I said, it was, it's sort of the core operating principle, kind of the prime directive of a lot of horror. You know, modern horror has gotten less like that. Modern horror is more like, you know, a New Yorker short story horror. It's it's horror that leaves you with a question mark. It's horror that's more of a mystery that's tangled up and maybe can never be unraveled. And modern horror is more disturbing. 
Because if, if you remember in the old days, the universal horror films, Frankenstein and Dracula, always at the end, order was restored. Order of some kind. Like they burned Dracula up in the burning castle and he died and order was restored. You know, but that that's that's the old school horror. The new horror is sort of like Hannibal Lecter wandering off into the streets of, of Haiti. Oh, yeah. He's still out there. Oh, that's the best. Yeah, see, you're, <laughs> you're, an, you're an odd combination. You trust people, and you want Hannibal Lecter out there because eating we people's want him to, we want him to get livers. The, yeah. <laughs> right. All right, well, well this, this is a very short, short, short. It's only two pages. It was part of a book that was published by Barnes & Noble many years ago called 365 Scary Stories. Get your daily dose of terror. So this is, this is my little entry. It's called Speed Demon by J.R. Boninsinga. And I used to use my middle initial because I thought I was important. Here's the story. It goes like this. Dickie Pelham spotted the shepherd at dusk. The sun had trickled down the drain off the southwestern horizon, and the vehicle had appeared like a gunmetal mirage off the interstate's distant heat waves. Late Kansas summers were like that. Solitary sedans would materialize out of nowhere. Metal flake ghosts, hugging the shoulder, getting in Dickie's way, just like those teenagers who had gotten in Dickie's way back in 79. The pathetic little farm boy and his freckled wave of a girlfriend. They'd been crawling along the shoulder in their whiskey-bumped Jimmy, weaving directly into Dickie's blind spot. Dickie had barely gotten a chance to apply the brakes before gobbling up the Jimmy's right rear quarter panel sending the Bobsy twins down an embankment and into concrete oblivion. The subsequent litigation and myriad death claims had kept Dickey off the roads for nearly six months. And for a senior account executive at the nation's leading manufacturer of light bulb socket collars, being off-road means stasis, and stasis means lost income, and Dickie Pelham wasn't about to lose income. That's why he always kept his eyes peeled for shepherds. Dickie goosed the foot feed. A quarter mile away, the shepherd's tail end coalesced, a liquid mercury shadow metamorphosing into a raven black El Camino, and Dickie pushed his little four-cylinder Eurasian go-kart as fast as it would go. In the closing distance, the El Camino kept screaming along, inhaling pavement, clocking at something near three digits. Hot damn, Dickie thought to himself. A gearhead. Gearheads were the best shepherds. Dickie had discovered the process back in the 70s, around the advent of the double nickel speed limit. Hardwired on truck stop coffee, Juiced up on cheap methadrine and impossible schedules, Dickie Pelham started latching on to errant hot rodders tooling along at 90 miles per. Ducking into the slipstream behind the speed demon's bumper, always staying a couple car lengths loose, Dickie could tag along 
for miles without fearing reprisals from the local county mounties. The hot rodder became Dickie's shepherd into the promised land of higher productivity, more accounts, and very few speeding tickets, and no goddamn dead farm kids, no matter how innocent or freckled they might have been, were going to haunt Dickie's memories. Haunted memories only slowed a person down, and slowing down meant, well, you get the idea. Dickie glanced at the speedometer and felt his stomach lurch. The needle was pinned, for Christ's sake. Pinned! 120 miles per hour. Impossible. The little Japanese crate had never broken 95, and now, now the landscape was streaming past his window, a khaki green blur, the highline wires pulsing like a flatline cardiogram, the wind buffeting the hood, engine bellowing, tires singing high opera, and Dickie, Dickie started squinting because the last gleam of the dying sun was glinting off this El Camino's chrome molding, a rhythmic beacon flickering like a mesmerist's watch, flickering, flickering, and Dickie clutched the wheel with sweaty hands, heart racing, mouth as dry and cold as metal shavings. In the final moments, he wanted to pull away. He wanted to let up on the gas, fall back, Give up, give up, give up on setting this insane land speed record. But something about that flicker off the El Camino's bumper kept him glued to the speed demon's rear end. A poison pinhole in Dickie's brain, sending magnesium-bright tendrils of revelation into the dark recesses of his mind. His guilt his shame. He didn't realize that the El Camino had drifted several feet toward the shoulder until it was too late. The speed demon swerved suddenly back onto the road, revealing the overpass directly in Dickie's path, and all that Dickie could do was open his mouth to shriek, a shriek that would never come, as his little car hurled into the massive concrete rampart. For Dickie, the impact was like a light switch being flipped off. He was killed instantly and never got a chance to feel the colossal pressure instantly collapsing the entire frame and chassis of the tiny sedan around him or to hear the volcanic explosion in his ears or to experience the searing tidal wave of heat engulfing his shattered body. Or to see the pale ghosts of two skinny farm kids tooling off in their new El Camino, vanishing in the dying light. Okay. I don't know if sad is the right word, but... Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sad is, you know... Well, I mean... Sad is a compliment. I mean, I, you well, know... <laughs> Near universe. <laughs> I I think you know horror tries to put order back in the universe on some levels. It tries to say, you know, don't do this, don't do this, because it'll come back and bite you in the ass. 
Yeah. That that that's a very you know Stephen King used to, you know, talk about how people thought that you know people always said you must be insane you must you must be immune to any fear and moral questions in life you must just you know be like a steamroller and, and he's like it's because it's the exact opposite the way he explained it was he goes i was the kid like many people that end up doing what i do i was the kid that never tore the wings off a fly because you knew deep down there would be the giant motherfly the size of a b-52 crashing through your window that night and carrying you away Right. Right. So there's like a morality to a lot of horror. There's like a moral right. component to it, you know. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I wrote that story because we we were, ta- you know, I was invited to write a story for it, and I was invited to write a short, short, a very short, short story, and I had just been on a car trip, and I was just thinking about it as I was driving, like. Oh my God, here comes another hot rodder. I could see him coming up in my rearview mirror, just going like 100 miles an hour. Right. And I just would get out of his way. Right. And then I'd go, you know, and I'd just like follow him at 95 miles an hour, you know. And I was like, I'm kind of protected. He's going to get a ticket before I. And, you know, if it's just one cop, which is, right. you know, the, I don't even know if that's true. I, I might have just made all that up. And I, I mean, I might have. Yeah, I don't know if people actually get usually, away with that. Usually people who are going that fast are going way faster than I'm comfortable going. Yeah. I mean, I, I may follow them for a little bit, but usually they're going way faster than I'm. It doesn't work like it's written in the story as well. Like if the person's going like 120 miles an hour, you can't really do it. Right. But if they're going 90 or even 85, like you, you, you feel, oh, well, I can get behind them and their slipstream and, you know, they'll get busted. I won't. Oh, but the, the, and speaking of karma, there's nothing better than when you're on a road trip and someone comes like blowing by you like, you know, 100 miles an hour. And then like 10 minutes later, you see him pull over on the side of the road. And it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's awesome. See you later, buddy. <laughs> that was good, baby. Thank you. Yeah. So. Do we have anything else to talk about? It's kind of a shorter, shorter bit today. That's okay. I mean, you know, people have things to do, Jill. <laughs> they have places to go, people to meet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't want to uh, cut it short, but, you know, because I love doing this. I mean, especially in my bedroom and just being with you in bed is, but I really, you know, really want to just cut it short so I can have sex with you. That's the reason I want to end it. It's hot as hell in here. I kind of want to open a window and turn the fan on. (laughs) Your hot Italian ass is warming up the room. Here, you keep talking. I'll turn the fan on. Well, no, because that's going to ruin the sound. So the fan? Yeah, it's just wow. You're, I'm impressed. (laughs) You're a perfectionist. I like that. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's call it a yeah. Call it a day. That's a good idea. Um. Here's wishing all our listeners, all five of them, <laughs> a a uh, a life of good karma. Yes, I mean you know what. To be honest, we do have some listeners now. We do have some followers. We have you know you can follow us on Instagram, and we do actually have a website. Our website is this 
dash should be a podcast.com. And if you have any like ideas on stuff you want us to talk about, Jay has like a ton of short stories to read that usually have topics. But if there's like a topic you think it'd be cool to hear, hear us, you know, riff about, or you want Jay to write a short story about, he'll write one up for you. No problem. <laughs> so, uh, write me an email. Have we discussed that? Is yes, that, yes. we really, yes, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I'll put your name in it. Uh, write to Jill at this should be a podcast.com. Can we afford me doing this that? I mean... dash should be a podcast.com. Uh, so yeah. And check us out on Spotify and SoundCloud and da, da, da. Uh, but thank you so much for listening to us and yes, for being here thank again. you. And, you know, it's been a year since we started this and we are just appreciative of anybody who's been listening and please share it with your friends and family and, uh, and get the vaccine as soon as you can. Yes. Do it. It feels so good. Do it. We're going to get this, through this. <laughs> it and... doesn't hurt at all. It, yes. it, I, you know, it's the opposite of that. You're like, are we're, you done? You did it already? We're all going to get to hug each other very soon. Yes. So. Absolutely. All right. With that. With that. Bye. Bye. Love you. Love you. (laughs) (laughs) The music for This Should Be a Podcast is Close Shave by The Riptones. And like everything good, it's available on Spotify. Spotify.